0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Checkpoint, the podcast highlighting and telling the stories of influential leaders in and around the sports industry. Today, we are excited to welcome our next guest, Jake Crane, to the show. Jake is currently the host of his own podcast, The J-Boy Show, and is topping the charts and going toe-to-toe with some of the biggest sports talk shows out there. Jake and I go way back to my playing days at South Alabama, where he followed his late father's footsteps and took his incredible sports background and got into coaching. After a successful coaching career at the high school and collegiate level, he decided it was time to carve out his own path in sports by interviewing influencers and giving a unique perspective to how sports are covered. Throughout his tenure as a podcast host, Jake has had the privilege of interviewing a wide array of guests on his show, from notable Auburn alumni to, to the greats in the industry such as Woody Page and Bob Ryan. Jake brings his unique perspective on what's going on in this fall in sports and we are excited to have him on the show. He currently lives in Tupelo, Mississippi, but for the next 45 minutes, he's hanging out here with us on Checkpoint. Jake, welcome to the show my man. How are you doing today?
1: Uh, Scott, uh, number one, thank you for letting me come on the show. I love the podcast, man. Uh, and just knowing you, I knew it was going to be great when when you told me you were going to be doing it. But uh, Man, I'm doing great. It's uh, uh, another day I opened my eyes and just uh, excited to be talking with a, with a good old buddy of mine.
0: Man, I got to tell you, you know, this is episode nine or ten for us, mm-hmm. and um, we've had some amazing guests come on the show, Jake. But I think this is the point in my sort of short tenure as a podcast host where it goes full circle. Like, I mm-hmm. mean, we used to be on the football field. You were my GA for my fifth year. Um, mm-hmm. I can't believe that we're sitting here as adults almost 10 years later. <laughs> chopping it up, talking about, you know, this crazy fall that we're experiencing, you know, Mm -hmm. in the sports community from youth to pro. So um, why don't you go ahead and tell the listeners a little bit about your journey, where you started Mm -hmm. um, and how you ended up, you know, carving out your niche with the J-Boy show.
1: Yeah, man. Well, it's a, it's a pretty interesting story. Um, You know, obviously, you know, you, you talked about my dad. I mean, I grew up, I'm from Auburn, Alabama. Uh, I grew up in a household where, you know, in the state of Alabama, football's king. And, you know, I had a dad that uh, played at Auburn, played in the NFL, coached for a while uh, in the SEC. And, you know, growing up in our house, when football was on, you watched it. And there was a certain way you watched it. And, I mean, he used to sit me down in front of the TV when I was 11, 12 years old and make me answer questions about, <laughs> you know, was that the power? Was that the counter? What's the difference between the power and the counter? So, which was great because, it, you know, it formed, obviously, a great bond with us. But, yeah, man, uh, uh, went to a High School, ended up signing uh, with South Alabama to play baseball uh, played for a year and a half, uh, had a shoulder deal and, and it really just didn't, didn't work out. Uh, but you know, it's kind of funny how things happen. Uh, got involved, uh, obviously in coaching, um, and you know worked my way up from a student assistant with tommy perry and uh, which is you know if, if you know tommy it's not the easiest job in the world but you know it's uh worked my way up from there all the way up to basically uh yeah i mean you were there coaching the special teams as a 22 23 year old and you know a year and a half older than the players and it was a great experience i mean you know you're doing against tennessee and and you know uh, as my career moved on and, you know, I got to see a lot of cool places. Uh was in Montana for a little bit, was in uh, a cool part of Iowa in council bluffs right across the uh, water from Omaha. And, you know, you get to meet a lot of really cool people and and not to be too long winded. You know, it's funny because I, I say, yeah, you know, coronavirus hit and came back. But, you know, when I came back, when I was out in Montana coaching, I, I obviously came back for Christmas break. This is before COVID or anything like that. And, uh, Flew into Memphis, about an hour drive to Tupelo. And, you know, me and my brother were driving. uh, He was going to take me up to the airport, uh, you know, drop me off, whatever. And so on the ride up there and really the whole time back, I mean, you know, I've been doing this. I've basically been doing this my whole life. Um, And I love it. You know me. I'm the most competitive person in the world. Uh, But on the ride there, and, you know, I don't – divine intervention, I don't know. uh, But just maybe burn out a little bit. But I just looked at my brother I was like, man, I don't know if I want to do this this year. And he was like, for real? I was like, uh, yeah. I was like, you know, uh, and just kind of explain to him a little. We're sitting in the parking lot of the Memphis airport, so we're already there. And so I had been thinking about this the whole drive, the hour up there. And, you know, my brother's always always going to tell me what he thinks. He's always telling me back. He's like, listen, if you don't want to do it, man, then don't do it. Because I know you. And for you to say you don't want to do it, then, you know, you must not really want to do it. So. The next question is, well, what are you gonna do? (laughs) You know, (laughs) if I'm not gonna do this, then what am I gonna do? So, you know, obviously, I want to do in sports uh, as a broadcast journalism major, and was like, you know what, Uh, I'll do a podcast, and uh, you know, it just absolutely blew up, and it's such a you know funny story, and I know you like funny stories, but so you know me, I'm not a technological, you know, I'm not Steve Jobs. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I'm not a savvy technological person, but I can do enough for enough to work. So I download Anchor, kind of look up, you know, how everything works, whatever, whatever. And so I put out a few and, and I don't know what's good, Scott. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know like what amount of views is good. So I think like Joe Rogan, oh, like 200,000 views. So in Anchor, you know, it tells you how many views you got. And so I'm looking, I'm like, I'm like, man, it's like a, like even just starting out kind of out of nowhere with no huge promo. There wasn't, there wasn't a rollout. There was nothing. It was a cold podcast start. That's what it was. And so I just threw it out there and I'm like the views and it's, you know, it's like 600 then it's 800. Then it's a thousand. It's going up and up and up and up. So I'm doing it because I do it six days a week. You know, I release six episodes a week. So I'm doing, it's, you know, so it's a ton of content. And uh, so about two weeks goes by, it's starting to get really like social media. I'm starting to get a lot of followers and, and you know, the reach is starting to get crazy. And I get a call, uh, about 10 in the morning from a seven, seven one Oh number. I think it was, it was a California number. And I'm like, Oh God, I thought it was bear. I was, like, <laughs> call me back. I was like, Nick, I was like, Nick, I was like, I know, you know, I know he's out there, man. And, uh, that's an inside joke for me. He doesn't know, but, uh, <laughs> okay. no. So, but I answer it and, uh, it's a guy that is basically like a talent scout, whatever you want to call it um, for a place called IBM sports. And with Dave Meltzer, he works at a uh, media ones owned by I think Meltzer and Warren moon or something like that. Yep. And if you're ever on LinkedIn, you know, every time Dave Meltzer comes on, but so he tells me, he's like, Hey man, you know, do you know like how good the show's doing? And I'm like, Nah, you know, I think it's doing good. Like people like it. You know, I haven't gotten a lot of hate mail, getting good reviews. And he's like, Well, you know, you're like number three in the country in sporting news right now. And I was like, What? And I thought it was a joke. You know, I then I was like, okay. So, you know, I was like, Is do you have any way to prove this? And he's like, Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna hang up the phone and I'll send you pictures of the charts because obviously they get charts. So man, he sends me a picture, and this is uh because the show is only four months old. And He shows, he sends me the picture, and I'm number three. And it's like Boomer Esiason show, uh, Sports Illustrated, and it's like me. Then it's like two, four, seven sports, and then, and I'm just like, oh my god! You know, I'm sitting in a back room in Tupelo, Mississippi, with, you know, because I. I recorded it in really the the cheapest way possible. I just got a mic and I, I would I, I would call on the phone and put the phone on speaker and put it up to the mic and record that way. And I'm beating guys that are in, you know, million dollar studios and stuff like that. I don't, and I don't have near the network. And he's like, listen, we want to, and that's when it just, you know, started to erupt. And two weeks later, I hit number one and it's just been, uh you know, we hit number one on pod bay. It's just been crazy. And it's just, I think a lot of it is timing. Um, you know timing's everything, but it's just it's been a whirlwind, man. I'm enjoying it. Man,
0: I, I gotta tell all you listeners out there to
1: think that Jake Crane <laughs> is
0: leading the charts of
1: podcast.
0: Um, one, it doesn't surprise me, uh, but but the only thing that surprises me is that he's able to show up six days a week with his head on straight because yep. this was my coach. Then yep. mind all you listeners, we would practice early in the morning. Jake's early. not a morning person. So no. um, so he would show up and, you know, he would – sometimes I was there a little early and I would beat him there. And then one morning he shows up and he's got two different shoes on. Yeah. Well, he was, that's too- <laughs>
1: <laughs> well it's – dude, I don't – that's not my fault because and, – and here's the reason. And you know this. You remember the turfs that they gave everybody, coaches and players. And, you know, I had been there a while, so I had, like, two or three different pairs, and they're all black, and they all have the white Nike check. And so, you know, we're practicing so early. And, see, that's why I would stay later than everybody else. Everybody would leave the the field house at, like, 10, 1030, and they'd see me in there and, like, dude, you're crazy. And I wouldn't leave every night to midnight. Well, no, what I was doing was making sure every single piece of paper that I had to get ready for practice, every scheme thing was done that night so I could just – spend that extra 30 minutes just to sleep. That way I didn't have to go. Cause you know, we'd have our meetings, whatever in the afternoon and that morning, I'll never forget it. Cause again, you wake up in the morning and you know, it's you're, you're getting ready. And I'm, I'm one of those people that, you know, I'm wake up, getting ready, go there. Cause you're about to coach a practice. You're just going to shower after the practice. Cause it makes no sense. You know what I'm saying? Whatever, whatever. Yep. So it's a dark closet and I open up the closet and you know, I have my shoes in a row, but they're all the same color. And I think I just grabbed a left foot and a right one that looked the same go out there. Cause you know, it'd still be kind of dark when we're going out there. All of a sudden the sun comes out and they're two totally different shoes. So that, uh, (laughs) that is a true story that did, that did happen, but there was a reasoning behind that. And I'm sticking to that story. Scott, I don't care what you said.
0: As you should, but, to, to further iterate on it, I knew at that moment in time that Jake Crane was going to be successful far before I knew I was going to be <laughs> successful. Because at the end of practice, I was convinced that it was almost cool and normal to be wearing yeah. two different shoes <laughs> you know at me this so point well. in my
1: career. And I was <laughs> yeah. just like, Who? you know me, I'm going to make it. I'm going to try. Because you know me, it's very hard like, for me to get embarrassed. I'm not a very awkward person. And cause you know, I, I, feel like I have a good sense of humor and you know, we always kept it, you know, as light as we could, but it just gets to the point where, you know, I think if somebody does something like that and you, and you know, you're like, oh my God, that's crazy. But then they own it. You know what I'm saying? It's almost like, okay, you know, like I can vibe with it. And now wearing two different shoes is cool. They're doing <laughs> the NBA, Scott. So they do an the NBA. So I am the one you're looking at me, the one that started that trend. And I would like my money, Adam Silver. Thank you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll be sure to tag him. and so Please, he can, please. Uh,
1: I know he'll respond right away.
0: Heard first on Checkpoint. <laughs> no, that's so funny. Dude. I love it, man. And this is so fun to go down memory lane. Um, you know, I mean, it's... You know, the beautiful thing about sports and and what, you know, why I've always wanted to stay in it in some capacity, whether it was on the technology side, the, the player athlete side, was because you build bonds like this that they just don't erode, right? Even yeah. with everything yeah. we're going through as a country, as, you know sports leagues right now these are the the relationships that you know we build at 4 35 o'clock in the morning in mobile alabama um that now last decades on so um so this is just so just so cool but so i'm really curious jake you know because you've been you've had a really decorated you know sort of 10 year to get to this point you know Mm -hmm. sports inside and out especially alabama football what was that like when you started to have these conversations with recruits, with, you know, um, you know, Auburn alum, as we're now doing that in parallel with a pandemic and a shakeup that we've never seen before, what was that experience like for you?
1: Uh, well, you know, and, and, and I think if I'm, if I'm hearing you right, you're talking about them kind of just talking to them and seeing how COVID affected everything going on with the recruits and them. Is that what you're asking? I'm trying to make sure I answer. Yeah. Right. 100%. yeah trying that's to get a hundred that percent. That's a great question because, you know, it affects everybody different but one thing that i've that i've noticed and you know you know this from we both do from being recruited and being in it is that a lot of the recruits that i've had on and i try and get as many high profile recruits to come on uh because number one it's it's good for them to tell their story it's great media training for them too for the future doing it as a high school kid and you know i never put them, i'm not like, never gonna put him in a bad situation or, or you know try and steal some info for for a quick sound bite but you really get to know them and and the recurring theme that you that that keeps coming back, and it's in the shows if you listen to it. Is all the guys when I ask them because I always ask them about their routine and how COVID's affected that. Their answer is it's almost made me grind harder because I'm isolated by myself and I'm having to push myself. And it's amazing. Listen to these guys, and that's the one similar thing that a lot of them come uh, from different situations, but the one similar thing is that they all have not been affected working out. They haven't been affected staying in shape. They haven't been affected, affected putting a plan together, staying aware of when the dead period is being pushed. So I think it's made a lot of recruits have to grow up. And I would love to see the numbers out of this signing class five, six years from now. I'd almost be willing to bet they may have the highest graduation rate of a class, I think that's a, that's something that's kind of not being seen or talked about because it's positive and positivity doesn't sell. But you know these guys that are used to having a coach always there and you got to get here at workouts at six in the morning are now to be able to live out their dream having to do it all by themselves. And a lot of them are already do that. A lot of them already have that in them. But I think the ones that may have been a little prima donna ish that maybe had to be pushed a little bit have now almost became more prepared to be able to do things when people aren't looking. Now it's terrible not to be in the team setting. You'd much rather not have COVID obviously, Mm -hmm. but I just, I'm only saying what I hear from them and it has not affected their grind. It's only increased it. It's only increased what they want. And I guess that's one silver lining to see. Now, when I talk to, you know, coaches, uh, you know, whether it be from Auburn, uh, uh Troy we had Chip Lindsey, uh, Troy's head coach. We got Billy Napier, ULL's head coach, who he just had a big win coming on beat next week. Let's go, yeah, belt, baby. yeah, yeah. Be, uh, beat Iowa State on the road. Sunbelt had a great weekend, but um, you know, when I talk to them, it's so hard because you know. I said routine earlier for the players, but the routine's even more true for the coaches because during this time of year, this is supposed to happen. During this time of year, this is supposed to happen, and it's one big business. It's one big organization, and just like in a business, if you have a quarter of the year where everything's thrown off and you can't organize things, and you don't know what time you know when you're going to be able to meet again or be able to install base stuff, then you're really kind of stuck and you're scrambling. And you know, I, I think it was a scramble up into the point where guidelines were set. And it's been very, very different listening to the responses from the coaches because they're all getting pressure. You know, a lot of it's depending on what state you live in, as crazy as that sounds. So, you know, I've had off the records talks with coaches and athletic directors that it's out of their hands. You know, there's only so much they can do. And at the end of the day, that's a scary situation, but it, it is what it is.
0: No, that's a really it's an interesting perspective. And, you know, I mean, a lot of our earlier guests have shared the lens, um, you know, from an athletic director realm or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the mental health side of things. You know, some of the more, um, you know, not as much focused on what that athlete experience looks like during yeah. this, you know, shake up of the fall. So I think that's really fascinating that your through line was. Just putting your head down, working even harder, um, yeah. even with so many uncertainties on the horizon, which I just think is is commendable. Um, you know, it's it's really interesting to to unpack one more point you said. There is like in the uncertainty. Comes opportunity to evolve and change, yeah. which is ultimately where our company came from. Where we saw outdated process, and we said, "Hey, we can come in and modernize this." And yeah. so, I'm curious, Jake, as you know, you're having these conversations, you know, now with some of the premier talk show hosts in and around sports. Um, are you seeing any new emerging technologies, whether it's from a fan experience side or a recruiting side, uh, well, yeah. that are changing
1: the game? That's a great question, and there's one that I have, and I have actually think I've told you about it, and I'll get to that in a second, but something that I've seen that's very, very interesting, Scott, and I think you're going to find this very interesting, and I think anybody that's involved in athletic administration will find this very interesting. With all the technology and from a recruiting standpoint, you've had all these virtual official visits, right? Well, the technology is so good now that the NCAA, and I know this for a fact, is considering in the future because obviously at some point when when we're somewhat back to normal back to normal you can go on visits and stuff like this some of those parents and some of those kids can't make official visits all the time or something happens right so now you have the ability to have a virtual visit where maybe the grandmother that's sick but really wants to see where her grandson's going to college who couldn't make the official visit can now have that experience And that's a fantastic part of it. But what the NCA is looking at, and I think they should, and I think uh, I've everybody that I've talked to about this on the show, uh, you know, whether it be Tim Brando, I mean, uh, whether it be you know, uh, I had Al Pogue on and Rodney Garner, Auburn's football coaches, and I actually talked with Al Pogue about this. Is the NCA going to have to start saying, all right, well, these virtual visits are so good, we're going to have to start counting them as official visits, or? Do virtual visit, do you now get one official visits, unlimited, unofficial, and two virtuals? And then if you do only get two virtuals, how in, how would you ever keep up with that? Does everybody have to use the same system? Is it like a new Zoom program? So there's different things that are coming out and new ways of recruiting, just like in any business, you know, technological-wise. But, you know, something that I think is interesting, and I have not heard this and, uh I almost want to copyright this. I almost want to say this on the air. But again, you heard me say this on on the uh, checkpoint. It's recorded. It's recorded. Why would you not at least for right now? Because I'm for when we're able to have fans in the stands, you got to put them in there because that's yep. just part of it. But why not? Why is the company not and they may have I'm, I, I don't know. Said okay, well for just like a pay-per-view amount, you buy pay-per-view All right. And we will give you a virtual experience. So you put people with VR goggles on in the stands at the 50 yard line on each side and good spots. And you have people pay almost like for pay-per-view. And it's almost like you're looking through that lens and it's almost like you're at the game. So it's almost an in-game experience. So I'm wondering if any companies or or people are going to start putting packages together to where now, you know, if you have the capability to do that and I'm sure they can figure out a way. Uh, you can actually have an in-game experience without being at the game until you're able to. So I, I just think that's been something I haven't heard about.
0: So, you know, it's interesting you bring that up. And, you know, I was an early adopter of some of the Oculus technology that came out around virtual reality. And, um, you know, I remember the Masters a few years ago, I watched it, you know, um, it was the only time I moved away from I, you know from an Apple product because they didn't support Oculus. Um, yeah. and, and I tuned in and watched three hole-in-ones happen on 16 at the Masters. And That's I was like, amazing. I was sitting right at the green and I was like, man, like I feel like I am immersed in this sporting experience. Yeah. And and so I think that technology was definitely on the horizon. And what we're seeing is that is that um a a coronavirus that is just shaking the trees harder than we've ever seen it before, it's forcing people to evolve and adapt. And I gotta tell you. Yeah. Humans adapt pretty damn
1: quick man, you know, like Well, there's a reason we've been here for so long. Yeah, you know, there's right? a reason we we're the only animal that's out of the food chain. Like I don't think people really understand that like and and you can hear I don't have to worry about if I want to walk to the gas station down the street that a lion's going to come rip me apart, you know what I'm saying? I don't have to worry about that if I'm getting in my car, you know, is a is, is an anaconda going to come rip me out of it and take in the pond. Like that's not a thing anymore. So, but speaking to that And I do want to make this point. I think one of the reasons is because if you take COVID out of it, then it's fine because people are still going to go to the games. They're still going to pack the stands. But it'd be something great to have for somebody that couldn't get a ticket. You want to talk about StubHub, a real StubHub, uh, that somebody doesn't have a ticket to be able to pay for that experience. But I think right now they may be a little afraid of it because it all comes down to money when you talk about sponsorships and all this. I think they're afraid, number one, is you'd have to put commercials on it. You have to put some type of advertisement on it. And number two, they don't want to discourage people from coming back because I'm sure they're wondering that they've thought of, okay, well, if this works so great, then what's going to happen to, you know, 30% of the fans that come to the game that say, I'm not going to go through traffic. I'm not going to do that. Why would I not just be able to sit on my couch and not have to buy a $10 then Coca Cola, I can buy a you know twelve pack of it right here and be at the game and not have to worry about leaving early to get home or fighting lines at the concession stand. So I think there's a lot of it that goes into it economically. I think they would rather have it as a supplement. Yeah, you see what I'm saying to yeah. you know the fans as opposed to an alternative. So I think that that's the battle that's kind of maybe behind uh, behind closed doors going on in that one. But you know I don't want to sound you know I mean that's too speculative. That's-
0: that's the sports space, though, Jake, you know, and we, yeah, we know yeah. that, right? It's like, business. Even, it's business. It's a business. And, and at the end of the day, the more you get towards the belly of the beast, you realize that it's just like every business. It has its highs and it has its lows. And, you know, you take the good with the bad. And, um, and I think that, you know, there's a lot of, um evolution coming to the sports industry and it's one of those where we traditionally move a little bit slower more like cruise ships and the you know sport you know professional sporting organizations the ncaa and so this now force mechanism is making them
1: evolve those processes that um that traditionally they could get away with so yeah and um, i wonder i wonder scott i I don't mean to cut you off but i want to make sure i want to make sure get this point out i'm all for you know making adjustments and doing better things, but I don't want us to lose the element of what makes sports great. And that is the ability, you know, and and I always tell the story, you know, I'll never forget growing up, you know, from eight to 12 years old, we lived in a house that was somewhat close to where the stadium was. And every Saturday morning during home games, I would wake up early because I I, I knew what time would happen. I would open the door and I could hear the band playing Mm and, and, you know, the whole day is built built around. You want your team to win, at least in the South. You want your team to win. That's number one. That will always take precedent. But number two is just the socialization. It's meeting new people. There's been so many husband meet meet wives and wives meet husbands at tailgates and and lifelong friends and you know the team people that root for opposite teams coming together at a tailgate you know, for 60 minutes, they hate each other, but, you know, having a lifelong friendship, but Hey, you remember the time we went to college station and met the, you know, met the Smiths and hung out with them and we ended up keeping in touch. And now there's so much more. And I don't want technology to take that experience away that I got from younger generations, because to me, that's what makes this, Great. I think if America was a football team, we'd we'd everything would work a whole lot smoother. And, you know, it's because there's the human element to it. And any type you have. And again, I'm all for, you know, better things, stuff like this. Never let a plane crash the best type you. can But I don't want it to lose the human touch and the human element that goes into the stuff that surrounds the game and ultimately happens after the game. So I do want to make that point. Like I said, I'm all, I'm all for moving forward. I just want to make sure that that we don't jump to a point where it becomes too businessy, businessy and we, we don't have or are able to form those relationships that you get during this time of year.
0: No, you're so right. And I mean, I think it's imperative, you know, one of my former CEOs would always talk about this is how do we humanize the technology, right? Because just because um, you know, this enterprise software looks great and it could be great. Does it really meet what we need in sports and does it erode some of those traditional aspects that um, sports provides us? So I think it's a great point. And um, you know, I'm curious because we're, you know, we're we're in an interesting point in our country and you know it's uh sports has sort of served as that parallel there right mm-hmm. you know like it's an escape from reality um so as you're talking to these folks and we're seeing more you know recruits specifically and we're seeing more athletes become you know, and embrace their platform early on. Mm-hmm. Um, Jake, are you having conversations with these folks around name, image, and likeness and how they're building their brand and how to properly utilize a platform now that you're experiencing
1: success, um, you know, on a, on a platform that's reaching a lot of people? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And and uh, when I talk to these guys, you know, we, we talk about the name, image, and, and likeness and the business side of it and being able to have your brand and all that stuff. And, and I am, I'm a capitalist. So I am all for that. If you're good enough, in my opinion, if you're good enough, and I'm talking about college players right now. Yep. If you're good enough in college that Gatorade wants to come to you and say, we want to pay you $100,000 a year or pay you $50,000 to be on a commercial, then you've earned that. You should be able to do that. Or if you're good enough where if they put your name on the back of the jersey, like in Auburn when Cam Newton was here, they sold a lot of number two jerseys. It didn't say Newton on the back, but everybody knew who number two was. And you know, I believe that you should get a percentage of that because that is you, and we all know that's you. No kid got a Tim Tebow jersey, Tim Tebow number jersey, without Tebow on the back of it because it was just a Florida jersey. Okay. So, to, so in my opinion, yes. What I want to make sure that everybody understands is it isn't a to me just blanket deal. I'm all for endorsements, but when you start talking about paying people more than a, than a scholarship. And and again, scholarships are different in different places, but a scholarship is a scholarship. That is a full scholarship. That is tangible. That is real. That is something that if you did not have it, you would have to pay a certain amount of real tender for, for you to be able to enter that college. So I think it'd be impossible to make it fair because it has to be fair. All right. Because now we're going to say, okay, well, We're not going to pay the walk-ons, but we'll give the scholarship guys a scholarship and extra money Mm. that, you know, you, I don't think you can balance that. I think what you do is you say, listen, here's a scholarship. And if they want to add a little stipend to it, that's fine. There's not people do that. People do that. And, but I think where that, where it gets hung up on is number one, you're not going to be able to pay everybody fairly. And that's including women's sports, men's sports. And everybody knows that that's just the matter of it. The, the, the way the money works but i think if you're saying okay will we let the guys have endorsements will we let the guys get a a heavy percentage because again they're going to take a percentage of jersey sales they're making the jersey the we can give the guy a high percentage of what his jersey sales are then yes if body armor wants you to come to a commercial joe burrow at lsu yes why not that's capitalism yeah. that's fine but when you start institutionalizing payments then you start getting into problems because you start talking about fairness. You start talking about Title IX. So I'm going to pay the football players, but I'm not going to pay the softball players. I'm going to play the basketball players, but I'm not going to pay the, I don't know, badminton players. doesn't matter. I just think it's such a such a big monster when why not say, okay, here's your scholarship. Anything else on top of that that you have earned by what you've done on the field, that is yours. That endorsement is yours. And guess what? It's a great look for LSU if Gatorade has Joe Burrow on a commercial while, while he's at LSU. That's a great look for recruiting because it's going to become and it already has become for a while now a recruiting pitch of "Hey, come here. We'll we'll uh, get your branding done. We'll get your logo done. We'll get a website up. Merchandise. Oh, that's being that's the next step. But I think once you start talking about institutionalizing payments, it becomes a, an unfair practice and really. An impossible task to make it truly fair. So, why not just use the scholarship and then let capitalism take care of the rest? That's no, an interesting take on it. And I think, uh, it's, it's
0: incredible the perspective you get based on who you're talking to, where they're at in their you know journey mm-hmm. and, and relationship with the NCAA. It's, um, you know, like you said, there's just so many different angles that we can unpack this from. Um, you know, the first being that I, and I was so naive that, you know, the tax structure, right? Like the, oh, way yeah. that, the way that universities are set up and the way that scholarships are administered, um, you know, does implementing a name image likeness start to undermine the way that the current structure set up. And so now each individual, regardless if they excel at name image likeness or not, um, have to file their own taxes. It it really, you know, the ripple effects of this just, you know, there's so much, much. there's
1: so much because you almost, you're incorporating yourself is what you're doing. You know, that's what like, like with me with the show, like with you with the show, I'm incorporating myself. It's a brand. The J-Boy, J-Boy is a brand. That's what it is. That's what I'm doing, incorporating myself. And that's what, they, you know, that's what the kids are doing and talking to recruits. And again, I don't get too much into it, you know, with them. I'll, I'll hit it with a little bit, but they're so focused, especially the high school kids. You know, the branding stuff's cool. They love that. They love shoes. Like some schools are now offering uh, majors where you can, it's shoe design. And, you know, that's, that's been a big hit and uh, which I think is awesome. You know, when did you think being a, a cobbler would be one of the coolest things to do? It's so cool. <laughs> You know it is it's so cool. It's uh, it's it's making stuff cool. So, you know, at the end of the day, I think the high school kids think it's cool, but and and I think it's a good thing to reward people, you know, when other people want to reward them for success because again, now if cuz there's so much like you said ripple effects. Now if Gatorade endorses you, you know, you're being put in a spotlight and now, you know, do guys act different? Are guys maybe a little more hesitant? to get in that car after they've, they've drank too much, you know, if there's so much that goes into it now, yep. and I think there's some positives that come out of it. There's some negatives, obviously, cause there's positives and negatives and everything, but you know, you start looking at tax law, you start looking at stuff like, you know, like you said, just the structure of how it affects. All right. If you say we're at Auburn, then we're going to start paying all every athlete. How does that affect the tax structure of the city of Auburn? Cause that money's got to come from somewhere. So it's a, it doesn't just affect – this conversation doesn't just affect athletics. It affects the economy in general. It's a yep. true economic issue. Now, in the category, it's an athletic category, but it is a true economic issue with true economic problems, uh, and it affects taxes. It affects everything. So, you know, I just – I think if you want to slay the three-headed dragon, just kill, knock off the head in the middle. You know what I'm saying?
0: Don't try and slice off all three of them. Yeah, well said. No, and it's going to be very fun as you continue to, um, you know, evolve your your show and have guests come through and tell their story, um, you know, to, to track that and follow you and hear um, if this becomes more of a recruiting point, if this becomes a decision maker um, with, you know, California versus Florida, um, there's going to be a ton of ripple effects, you know, really excited. And for all you listeners, if you haven't listened to the J-Boy show, um, it's an absolute must that you tune in, um, you know, just. If you like sports talk, if you like sports radio, this guy's crushing the game. So, so, so Jake, so we started, you know, we started this journey with you telling us who you are, how you got here. Um, We touched on some of the things that you're talking about, you know, with your guests that have been on the show, really curious, you know, when we start to talk about what sports looks like on the horizon, um, are there any things that stick out to you where you're like, this is where I see the industry going um, you know whether that's collegiate, pro, youth, um, any trends that stick out to you?
1: Well, you know, I, I keep noticing that games keep getting faster. You know, whether it's uh, and this answer might spread whether it's football and up tempo, whether it's basketball and everybody's just getting the ball running down the court and shooting a three or trying to play transition up and down. Uh, In soccer, you know, I love watching it. I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert there, but, you know, they always look like they're playing fast to me. (laughs) But, you know, I think what you're seeing is sports are always offensive. So not offensive, but offensive. What I mean by that is offense sells tickets. The old adage, offense sells tickets, defense wins championships, is a very, very true adage. But I think what you're seeing now, just from an industry standpoint, is I think we're coming to a decision, you know, or kind of a – I guess what you call that, uh, uh, a an, an angle or a a, a pivot. There yep. you go, a pivot to where we have to decide how much of sports and politics do we want to blend, how much of sports center and mainstream media do we want to blend. And I think right now, across the board, you know, you've seen people reject it, you've seen people accept it. What I, and again, it's going to go back to my main point. I just hope. And everybody that likes sports and everybody that plays sports knows what I'm saying. You love it because you love it, not because of anything else, whether it's the competition, the camaraderie. I never looked to my right when I was playing, and I never looked to my left when I was playing and cared about anything else other than I hope this guy makes a play, number one, because I want to win, but number two, because me and him have bled and sweat and been through this whole thing, and it was never a political thing. When that ball's being ran at you, When you're playing linebacker and you meet the running back in the B gap, there is nothing political about that. And Mm -hmm. I just hope that in the future, looking forward, athletes having platforms is great. Everyone should have a platform. That's that's what free speech is. Everyone should have a platform. I just want to make sure that we don't start viewing sports in the same lens as politics, because I feel like sports is one of the last havens that we have as a society where it doesn't matter what you look like, it doesn't matter who you worship or who you love, all that matters is, are you gonna make the play when it comes your way? And I think that's what brings people together. And I just hope regardless if you're a Republican, Democrat, independent, it does not matter that we don't lose the thing about sports that we love the most. And that's that nothing else matters except the relationships you form, the games you play and the memories you have. And I just, you know, I really hope that's something that people can take going on into the future.
0: Man. Well said as a former athlete and, and we're a proof of it right here, Jake, that, you know, yeah. this is, these are the, the things in sport that you, you can't really replace anywhere else. No. Um, not to say that you can't build, great relationships in others or other arenas. But like yeah, you said, waking yeah. up at four o'clock and, you know, yeah. tires and yeah, get, that's, that's that, uh, political
1: uh, about that. That's yeah. uh- you know, it don't matter. As long as, as long as, is, is, you got a mask to lean on, it doesn't matter.
0: Man, I tell you, it's uh, you, that very well said, and uh, you know, again, really unique perspective, just because of all the different voices um, yeah. and channels that that you're coming at it with. But at the end of the day, I know that's you, man. You've had this belief, you've had this thought um, since you were coaching me, and you know some of the stories you tell me about you and Blaine growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like this has been a through line for your <laughs> life for a while, man.
1: Yeah and I just I just and, and again not going to get long winded like I don't you know cuz if you say one thing you're going to upset half people if you say nothing you're going to upset the other half I just uh I'm just glad we're playing sports again and and it's uh really good to talk to you Scott and and for all the the listeners out there I just hope you know Scott is one of the most genuinely nice human beings on the earth and he does it not because he he wants you to like him because that's who he is and everybody likes him because of that so Scott you know I've always respected you Not only as a player, even the few times me and you got into it, we always hugged each other after. I could always provide, you know, lean on you in in a tense moment to lighten it up and and say, Coach, we're good. We're good. And I I don't think I've ever told you how much I appreciated that, man. But I wish you the best of luck here. And I know you're going to keep doing it because all you do is win, baby. That's all we do, baby. I love that.
0: So, so for all you (laughs) listeners, uh, before we plug Jake's podcast, Um, so all of you can tune in. We have one question that we've been asking all of our guests, so we're going to wrap up on this one. Uh, Jake, completely outside the lines of sports and where your expertise is, um, so I'm really curious, but if you could tell our listeners one thing you've done in your life that you would recommend
1: they do or experience in theirs, what would that be and why? Oh, man. I would say one thing that you, you have to do is you have to go. Well, that's a great question, Scott. You have to, okay, I got one. You have to go to the College World Series in Omaha, Nebraska. It is, and again, you know, everybody says, oh, it's just, you know, whatever. It is so cool because of where it is and the amount of teams that are there and the amount of people from different parts of the country all coming to the middle of the country uh, on a hot day together, you know, walking around, it's just uh, the experience is great. Hearing the ball come off the bat, hearing the fans seeing seeing the uh, the pageantry, and just seeing the youth out there so excited, you know, to see their favorite players play, and and all those people. And I just I love the way they set it up with the restaurants right down downtown Omaha. It's just such a friendly venue and it's multiple days and there's so much to do out there and it's so beautiful. I uh, I recommend that, you know, especially if you have kids, if you've got young kids that uh, that love baseball, they're little league baseball players, little league softball players, take them, they'll love it. They let you sign autographs. It's just such a great experience for a family uh, for more than just one game.
0: Wow. I would have lost money. I would have bet Uh, A healthy amount of cash that you would have said experience in Iron Bowl and Auburn, but. uh... Well, yeah,
1: I mean, that one's just so easy, Scott. You know what I'm saying? I got to keep you guessing. You know me so well. I love it man I love it.
0: Well um well, a, a fantastic answer and uh, I haven't attended but you know definitely on the bucket list as sports um we'll and go. attendance we'll comes go. back me, go. Yeah, so Let's me, make it happen go. man. That would be amazing. And so um, Jake you know before we hop off the air um, let all of our listeners know um, you know where they can find you, you know who who you're representing uh, just so that everybody can follow your channels and start to uh, consume your great content.
1: Yeah, well, Scott, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, we're on anywhere you get your podcast. so Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify. Uh, we have a YouTube channel. I'm actually upgrading it right now, I'm trying to get some video in the in the podcast as well. But uh, we're represented. We, we're in talks with Manscaped right now. I feel pretty good about that. IBM Sports is our PR team. But, uh, you know, we we it's pretty cool because we have, you know, we mix the guest style. And I've had Tim Brando, like I said, Woody Page. And I and, and got a lot of Marcus Spears coming on and, and guys like that. But uh, what's really cool, I think, is uh, this new show I'm doing on every Friday called the Friday Fix with a buddy of mine named Philip Dukes. He's one of the top insiders at Auburn, and we're going to talk about some, you know, some bets and some parlays and some recruiting, a little bit of everything. But it's a great time, man. It's real. Uh, if you enjoy talking sports and hearing somebody that's honest, that's uh, going to give you their real opinion, then it's a good spot. And I just I appreciate it, Scott.
0: I love it, man. Well, you guys heard it first from Jay Boy himself. Um, Jake, thank you so much for coming on. Um, always a pleasure when we're able to sync back up and reminisce and, you know, talk about how we're going to make sports just a little bit better than we found it. So um, for all you listeners, be sure to tune into his shows. And until next time, check yourself.